Companies that set out to change the world should stand for something, something that matters. For Tanium, it was managing and protecting the world's growing number of endpoints. Tanium empowers organizations to embrace digital transformation and change the way people both work and live. They help critical government agencies see what's coming, protect and defend five branches of the U.S. military, and more than half of the Fortune 100 rely on Tanium to manage and secure their critical assets. To learn more, visit Tanium.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecki is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Gwilda Wiecki's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Science of Magic or endorsed in any manner by Gwilda Wiecki, Relmar McConnell Media Company, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. Welcome to the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, a program dedicated to uncovering the unified nature of reality and humanity's ever-evolving place as truly galactic beings. For more information on the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, visit us online at www.thescienceofmagic.net. Hello, dear friends, and welcome to the Science of Magic, a program combining the science and magic of today's leading topics to co-create new solutions and promote evolutionary thinking. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring feminine magic. Magic, the ability to interface with and manage matter at the quantum level, where all things dance before manifestation. Though most of us use it unconsciously, Magic and the resulting ability to manifest is our birthright. As in all things, magic has a masculine and feminine expression. One of the most misunderstood things about feminine magic is that it's not just for women. Each of us requires a male-female balance to be whole, sovereign individuals. In order to be effective, our magical expression requires this masculine-feminine balance as well. From corrupt churches and dogmatic belief systems to self-serving governments and mercenary corporations, exploitive systems have been around for millennia. They all have one thing in common. In and of themselves, they have no power. They must rely upon the ability to control the masses in order to tap into the magical human ability to manifest. Sovereign individuals are not easily controlled. Only the imbalanced and polarized lend themselves to easy manipulation. This influence has been accomplished by judging against and controlling one half of the magical balance. To that end, the feminine has been regarded as weak and inferior. Feminine magic has been labeled witchcraft and condemned for ages. An important point, men didn't do this. They suffer from the imbalance as much as women. Corrupt systems invested in control and manipulation perpetrate the illusion of polarization to the great detriment of both genders. So what is witchcraft? What is the difference between masculine and feminine magic? Do we really need both to manifest? If so, how can we reclaim our birthright? Our guest this hour has explored the subject in depth and may have some interesting thoughts on the topic. With us is Danielle Dulski, author of Woman Most Wild. She's an artist, yoga teacher, energy worker, and founder of Living Mandela Yoga Teacher Training. Danielle leads women's circles, witchcraft workshops, and energy healing trainings. Her website, DanielleDulski.com. Danielle, thank you so much for joining us on the Science of Magic. Thank you, Gwilda. Very happy to be here. 
<laughs> hey, let's just start out by you give us a definition of witchcraft. <laughs> or let's start with witch. That'll work. <laughs> witch. Okay. Well, a witch is anyone who practices witchcraft. Um, so it's, it kind of works to define them both at the same time. Um, which, uh, a witch is anyone that, that really feels of strong kinship with nature and works his or her magic in order to support global healing. So I love what you said about balancing the masculine and feminine energy and magic, because that's really what it's all about. So this is a more uh, modern definition, yes? Because global uh, healing has just become a subject recently. Um, I think that the idea of the the earth being feminine is kind of ancient. So, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So this idea that um, the feminine needs to be healed and that in that the earth needs to be healed is relatively new. But but this idea of kind of healing the mother wound and and supporting the feminine energy in all things, that's that's old. <laughs> <laughs> Ancient even, huh? So by that definition, shaman are witches. Uh, it goes on and on, doesn't it? Yes, I think that um, it's uh, uh, part of this this new wave of witchcraft, this kind of wild woman witchcraft that's sort of taking over, this rise of the wild woman, is uh, the acknowledgement that it's hard to define witch because a witch is whatever the practitioner of witchcraft says that she is. So a witch is a name that's claimed rather than given by any high priest or priestess. Very interesting. We're going to pick up with this on the other side of a break and uh, get into what's witch and what's witchcraft at a little deeper level. <laughs> it's, so it's time for a commercial break. Danielle and I will return shortly, so don't go away. You're listening to The Science of Magic. Our current episodes are aired daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net. In service to our listeners, our prior innovative episodes can always be accessed free of charge on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. The Science of Magic is produced by Relmar McConnell Media Company, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www 
HolisticCancerFoundation.com. Hello, I'm Pete Marsh. With my daughter Justina, we will be presenting the new radio show, Too Good to Be True. If something seems too good to be true, it usually is. But with the help of Justina's amazing gifts, we're going to gain insight into questions that don't yet have complete answers. Have you wondered who built Stonehenge and for what reason? Why are crop circles found in the same region as Stonehenge and elsewhere? Are crop circles a hoax or are they created with technologies that we have little knowledge of? Who built the pyramids in Egypt and also in other countries? How and why were they built? Was the Titanic switched with the Britannic as part of a gigantic insurance fraud or for more insidious reasons? What caused the Tunguska event when trees were flattened over an 800 square mile area in Siberia? Will the new insights be too good to be true? Well, that will depend on what you are prepared to believe. Please join us as we start on this journey together. For more information on Too Good To Be True, visit www.xzbn.net. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness, I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is Danielle Dulski, author of Woman Most Wild. Her website, DanielleDulski.com. Danielle, we were talking about the definition of witch and witchcraft, and you kind of gave us a more modern definition. Where did witch originate? Yeah, that's, um, that's a difficult answer, too. I mean, that's kind of the great debate in witchcraft is, is witchcraft a leftover from pre-Christian Europe? And and if it is, how much of it is a leftover from pre-Christian Europe? And then how much has been reinvented in the 20th century? And I think that any witch will kind of give you a different answer to that question. I believe that there there is the there are these in the bones and in the blood kind of collective unconscious themes in witchcraft that witches just seem to know kind of without studying. So there is this very magical um, magical sense that, that part of the practice at least is ancient and a lot of the theory and the metaphysics is relatively new. We know in, in shamanism and in a lot of magical practices, traditionally there was a lot of training that went in so that a person could accurately and responsibly wield the ability. It sounds to me like you're saying that, you know, you're just born that way and uh, you don't have to be taught. Is that true? No, I think that you th- there's a, p- a part of it that uh, requires this autonomous claiming of which as an identity. And so that part is very personal. And this idea of self-initiation is, is important. But then after that, of course, you, you do kind of pursue knowledge and seek out spiritual mentorship. But I do believe that d- that initial sense of, I think I'm a witch, now what do I do with it? That's a very personal kind of coming out that that does precede any any ability to really seek out the kind of spiritual mentor, mentorship that you want. And so a lot of the the unfortunate like exploitation and and um spiritual oppression that goes on, spiritual predatory behavior that goes on in the pagan community, I believe is because there ha- the the newer practitioners haven't really claimed that identity of which for themselves before they seek out a teacher. 
Okay, so would you explain that to me? Let, let's take, let, if we're going to be personal, let's get personal. How did okay. you come to view? How did you come to view yourself as a witch? <laughs> so, so I was raised in a household where my mother was very evangelical Christian, and my father was a hard-edged biker. So it, they were an unlikely couple, and it was an unlikely household for a witch to be raised in. But here I am. Um, and I remember kind of this profound dissatisfaction with the Christian religion that I was being raised in. So very evangelical, born again Christian and going to a school that really indoctrinated the children very early. And just having this sense that an external male deity that was very judgmental and vengeful just wasn't my God. So it started with that. And then it became, well, how much can I get away with? And I started, you know, studying angels first because angels were okay. Angels were in the Bible. So that was fine. And then I started <laughs> studying fairies. And then, well, maybe I can go into this store and maybe I can buy this book or these tarot cards. So, so it was this very, um, slow process throughout my childhood. And then yoga became really my gateway to the mystical. And, and that happened during my, my early teenage years. I was introduced to yoga, or I started teaching yoga very early too. And, um, and then there was this sense that the body was divine in yoga. And I thought, oh, that's it, right? So, so God and goddess can be inside of us and we don't really need to um, b believe that the divinity is solely external and solely male. And so that was a big epiphany for me. And so there was a lot of self-study that went on. And my coming out as a witch didn't really happen until I was 25 after the birth of my first son. And the catalyst for that was really this sense of, of awe for this baby that I had birthed and, you know, this kind of dissatisfaction with hiding what I believe to be a very important part of myself and and also being within a relatively supportive community. So I felt safe enough to come out and say, you know, I, I've been casting spells for more than 10 years. I believed I've, I've been a witch since I was a little girl. And and um, I didn't face a whole lot of, of rejection or animosity in my community. And after that, I did seek out... Um, spiritual mentorship and I did fall prey to um, these kind of spiritual oppressors that were very into sexual magic but not in uh, a very equal balanced way it was kind of very predatory behavior and so I got out early before it went really bad but um, but it, it was a big learning uh, experience for me. And so, you know, when I say be strong enough to stand in your own magic before you seek out um, spiritual spiritual mentorship, I really mean that. I think that if I'm, you go ahead, I'm really glad I'm really glad you bring this up, because that is one of the new age problems that we're facing is that people learn a little bit and use it to exploit and manipulate rather than do good and like you say heal the planet or or be supportive of uh nature and it's huge it's rampant how can a person tell when they're getting hooked up with something like that mm -hmm. i think that uh there there are i mean in my experience there were a lot of red flags and the biggest one was being told that like this is the only way there is one way to do this and this is the only way to do it otherwise you're doing it wrong so whenever I hear that in relation to spirituality, yoga included, I my hackles get up because I know that that's not true. I know that the depth of human experience is so vast that there is no one way to be a spiritual person. And, and mm -hmm. any spiritual, mm -hmm. spiritual path will ebb and flow even within a single context like witchcraft. So it's, so it's an interesting balance, isn't it? Because in one sense, uh, you don't want it to be dogmatic. And I call it peeing on the lodgepole in shamanism when, oh, this color, this color has to go in this direction or you're not doing it right. When all roads with the right intention lead back to spirit. But on the other hand, if you go off half cocked and don't follow the tried and true principles, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble, too. Can you can you speak to that balance? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's it. That's um 
that's why having such a strong personal practice is important, I believe, in witchcraft is because you figure it out for yourself. And like my way of casting, say, a manifestation spell won't look exactly like anybody else's, even somebody that's trained with me. It, it doesn't look the same. And if I were to cast a spell that's very meaningful and powerful for somebody else, it won't work as well for me. And so I think that the key to spiritual mentorship, effective spiritual mentorship, is to really teach core principles but give the freedom to to the the student to be able to figure out what works for him or her and what doesn't. And even if that's something that really goes against what you as the spiritual mentor see as a core principle, you know, then maybe that needs to be re-examined. So there's always this re-examination of indoctrinated beliefs, even ones that we really believe are ours and authentic. And does that have to do with genetics? I know in in shamanism, when I'm training my people, I train them very strongly in the the tried and true principles that have been around for 50,000 years. But Mm -hmm. within that, each person has to develop their own practice. And I've come to wonder, is it due to their genetics, due to their, their history, due to their blood? What's going on there? Hmm, that's interesting. That's that's something I haven't really thought of before. Um, I love working with witches from from different cultures. So so most of my craft comes from like British and Celtic traditions, and I love working with witches that come from like African traditions and traditions that I'm not familiar with at all. Um, and I can see how they're different and they're valuable, and how we can learn from each other. So, so I don't know. That's that's an interesting point. I've never thought about the influence of genetics before. It is interesting, isn't it? Because we're coming to a time when when we're all kind of like a big mixing pot, and uh, how do we individualize and use ourselves to the best advantage within that magically? Yes, um, I I think that. Um, you know, that's when we kind of get into this idea of soul and soul work and soul purpose. So, you know, going beyond this body that we've been given in this life and really seeking out what our sacred work is. And then what is the role of magic in our sacred work? Mm-hmm. Is there is there something is it something a person's born to or do we all have the capacity to become witches? You know, I believe we all have the the certainly the physical and mental capacity to become witches. Um, I, I do think that there are a lot of witches that are being born today at this very pivotal kind of do or die time that are, this is their task. They, they are tasked to um, teach as many students as possible and, and listen to other witches that are, you know, calling out for, a mentor or for sisterhood or for whatever um, community they're looking for. Um, so I think it can be both. I, I think that there there really are purposed witches right now, that this is why they were born. And then I think there's others that can just come to the craft um, as they need to. Can both genders be witches? Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, uh, like you were saying in the beginning in your in the introduction, magic is masculine and feminine, witchcraft is masculine and feminine, um, and gender has has very little to do with it. So so these energies of maiden, mother, crone, hunter, father, sage, they really ebb and flow within all of us. And and you know some people do have stronger feminine energy or stronger masculine energy, and sometimes that has to do with gender, and sometimes it doesn't. So it's more about the masculine and feminine, much more about the masculine and feminine than it could ever be about gender. You know, it seems to work um, very interestingly in a group setting. Would you speak to that? Yeah, in a group setting, um, so, so this was kind of my, my introduction into Covencraft, which was when I was in my mid-20s, and it was a little bit, like I said, a, a manipulative situation. But I learned a lot, though, about the mechanics of Covencraft and how much stronger the magic can be in certain circumstances. So it depends on what the, what the spell is. Um, but in certain circumstances, for instance, like working the magic for global healing or something that really does um, speak to the community and speak to everyone's heart, um, it, the, the spell, um, when you try to balance the masculine and feminine, so we try to kind of put more feminine energy in between more masculine energy, um, and then have everybody have this laser focused intention. So if it's global healing, you know, having everybody really picture, um, 
you know, clean water and clean air or whatever the, the spell calls for. And then the energy really, really is amplified. And, and you do have this physical circle of people that are able to kind of contain the energy versus a solitary practitioner who just um, casts the circle and, and maintains the energy that way, which is powerful also. But um, for certain spells, uh, a community can make it so much stronger. It, we're about, about uh, at the end of this segment, but it, it sounds to me like the key here is intention, focus, and cooperation. Can, can uh, a, a coven work against itself will be a question. We'll pick up on the other side of this short pause. Danielle and I will return to our discussion, so don't go away. We're coming to you through the Exxon Broadcast Network. Don't miss the other fine shows and hosts on xzbn.net. You're listening to The Science of Magic your resource for creative solutions in a changing world, thescienceofmagic.net. Please email me at info at thescienceofmagic.net with any topics or guests you'd like to hear from. You're not the only one interested. are our personal gateways into infinite wisdom. Don't miss Shamanic Counselor and Indigenously Trained Dream Decoder Sandra Corcoran's inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles Sandra's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers and her initiations throughout the Americas and across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt. Sandy's knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth influenced her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private tarot readings, international journeys, a meditative CD, as well as her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate this earthwalk, creating a deeper connection to yourself and all that is. Find this and more at Sandy's website, StarwalkerVisions.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Hello, I'm Justina Marsh, and with my dad, Pete, we are going to present a new show called Too Good to Be True. Together, we are aiming to discover more truths about this world and beyond. Do you have unanswered questions about the world? Do you ever wonder about aliens, conspiracy theories, or the universe? 
There are many shows discussing subjects such as pyramids or UFOs, but we want to relay this information based on our own research, including from spiritual means. Hopefully, listeners will be helped with their own beliefs and will appreciate the psychic insights that add to the previous research and information. We both look forward to sharing this insight and beginning this journey with our listeners. Visit xzbn.net for more information about when to listen. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. I'm your host, Gulda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is Danielle Dulski, author of Woman Most Wild. Her website, DanielleDulski.com. Danielle, we were getting into some interesting concept about working in groups, and you made some very nice points. One is intention and envision. And so when you're working in a group that has to have common intent and clear intent for the magic to really be set free. Is that accurate? And if so, how do you, in, in, you know, make sure that that's going on? Right. So, so yes, that's absolutely correct. The, the intention in group spell work has to be as clearly um, designate, designated and defined in the beginning as possible. And there does need to be a space holder for the spell who can continually reaffirm that you're coming back to the intention, especially if it's a longer spell where, where the vision is really the core, core um, part of it. So, so that's where we get into this idea of, of non-hierarchical magic, because in certain covens there is this idea of, of leader and hierarchy, and, and I respect that. So I'm not saying that, that any tradition that has that is, is you know, bad or, or doing harm to witchcraft at all. But, but um, in my work, what I found is bridging just a traditional women's circle with a coven. And what I mean by that is, is women come together in, in my work. They come together and they just kind of place the magic alongside the mundane. So meaning they know they're going to be casting a spell, um, you know, 20 minutes or so into the circle. But in the beginning, they're just kind of sharing these mundane experiences like, you know, taking the kids to the doctor or whatever. And so what that does is it establishes this heart-centered communication. So you had brought up before the break about can, can the coven work against itself? And the answer is absolutely the coven can work against itself. But when you bridge just circle mundane sharing with coven and magic, you get this heart-centered energy that is very beautiful. And it's similar to Reiki for the, for the energy healers. It's, it's, this very um, empathic kind of gratitude-based energy that comes from the heart rather than the lower chakras, like the belly chakra, for instance, the solar plexus, which is more ego-centered. And so, um, you know, having the intention is important, but also sourcing the energy physically from the heart keeps the keeps the energy vibrating kind of at the same frequency around the circle. Boy, heart is such an important thing, isn't it? Because yes. isn't that where the masculine energy from above and the feminine energy from below blend to create the balanced power? Yes, absolutely. You, you have um, the the spirit Shiva energy descending from the crown and then the Shakti feminine energy rising from the root and then they meet at heart center and that's when that you know magical tantric click happens. And so it, it floods down the arms into the hands, and, and that's where in circle we connect. We, when, when I lead circles, we don't touch each other because I, f I find that that breaks the energetic connection. So we just kind of have um, our palms kind of hovering above and below one another's, and, and the energy is so, so strong in a circle where, where the energy is coming from the heart in that way. So another thing that you brought up that I would like to touch into that's, again, common with, with – um, uh, shamanism uh, in witchcraft, apparently, from what you're saying, is envisioning. So uh, in, in, in my practice, you cannot create a thing unless you can imagine it. The imagining of it creates the matrix around which, at the quantum level, around which the thing starts to manifest. Is it the same with witchcraft, and would you describe that for us? 
Uh, yes, I believe it is, uh, particularly with manifestation magic. So in my book, I talk about how you can kind of distinguish between manifestation magic and protection magic and also healing magic. But especially in manifestation magic, it is all about being able to visualize this thing. So I talk about like, you know, having your, your passion about what you're trying to manifest be so strong that it seems like a memory of the future, that you feel like you've been there before and you can feel it in your cells. And, and, and yes, it does absolutely begin there. With healing magic in my practice, I find that there is this level of trust that it's going to go where it needs to go. And so the visual in, in my healing magic sometimes is less important than it would be in a man- manifestation spell, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. And, and which brings up another interesting point. Where do you stand on permission? I mean, do you, if somebody's sick, do you just assume that they want your healing? Or are you, uh, where, where do you go with that? Yeah, I always teach um, my students to get permission. Um, I, be, because it is, you know, even though in Reiki, the, the um, philosophy can be a little bit, um, I don't want to say fluffy, but but it can be like, you know, it's just, just trust. It's going to go where it needs to go. But it is a psychic connection that you're establishing when you're when you're doing any kind of energetic healing. So I do believe that permission is absolutely required. Now, I was taught that I didn't need permission from my kids. <laughs> so I stand by that rule in my own practice. But I always tell everyone else that I work with that they need permission. Well, you know, with children, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, uh, do you get permission from the children's parents until they're a particular age? Well, I was speaking about my kids. Right, I so, know. I was just wondering. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, I feel like, you know, my my older son, he's 11, and he just kind of knows that I, I he's actually attuned to Reiki. I attuned him a few years ago. So so he's very open to it and knows uh what goes on, but I, I, I expect that in a few years I'll need to start asking for permission from him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Being a mom is always a delicate dance, isn't it? <laughs> it really so, is. when did the word witch get such a bad rap? Yeah, well, um, some people say that it was the King James version of the Bible, that King James had a kind of resident witch that lived in his. Um, castle or wherever it was that he lived and and that the witch advised him to go to battle or told him not to go to battle and he should have i forget what what it was but the witch gave him bad advice and he got very upset with his witch and he put that that verse in the bible thou shalt not suffer a witch to live that that was the very new kind of medieval introduction by king james and that that was really uh the verse that was used as the foundation for the hammer of witches which was then the basis for all of the witch hunts which then became the foundation for the witch being, you know, the evil, you know, seductress or old crone or whatever that lives in the woods and um, is out to get children. So, <laughs> so it was, you know, it was this very um, kind of clear progression from uh, you know, the witch being uh, deemed as the, the evil kind of unpredictable woman uh, in the Bible, and then that being used for instruments of prosecution in all forms. Yeah, and that was, that was a scary time for sure. Now, is witchcraft used for divination, like to tell the future? And if so, how? Yes, I believe divination is a is a core part of witchcraft. Um, I I think that there are witches that do it that use it more in their practice than others. I use it a lot in my personal practice. Um, and I also talk about this idea of of wild rhythm in my book and how the wheel of the year is really important for different types of, of magic and ritual. And so for me, divination is strongest during crone time, during crone season, which is late autumn and winter. So kind of like that that dark moving into the void time. That's when I feel the upper chakras are very attuned, kind of more attuned than they would be the rest of the year. So like right now, moving from spring to summer in the northern hemisphere anyway, um, a lot of the energy is really consumed by birth and manifestation and fruition out in nature. And so there isn't that really necessary void that some practitioners require in order to clearly divine the future. But you can step into those seasons any time of the year, can't you, by intent? 
Yes, absolutely. You can. Um, I think that that would be something that's kind of for more more advanced practitioners. But but yeah, absolutely. You can attune to the the different energies of the year, um, no matter where you are. Um, so northern hemisphere, southern hemisphere, it doesn't really matter um, as long as you can be able to to sense those different energies of the seasons, which really live in the body in a very specific way. They live in the chakral system. So, so that's where that kind of bridge is between what's really happening in nature and then what you can manifest psychically. So again, like shamanism, witchcraft is not bound by time and space. No, right. Not at all. And, and, and like Reiki and energy healing, you know, you can send it to the past and the future, past lives. Um, we really believe that, that time is, is cyclical, or most witches believe that time is cyclical, and, and that's the feminine way. So masculine time is linear and feminine time is cyclical, and that's really a core part of our magic. It's a core part of the way our bodies work too, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. the way we're physically made too, like our, you know, our cells are circles and our bones spiral. You know, you know what I find really fascinating is that this earth-based, seasonal-based practice is common to all magical practices. Why do you suppose that is? Because we are of the earth. And so, you know, as much as a lot of systematized world religions have tried to divorce us from the earth and from our bodies, uh, we remain creatures of the earth. And so, yeah, so so this belief in, in magic and, and using your will to move energy requires this faith in the body, in the heavy body. And, and, you know, you can't just be all upper chakra, crown chakra, and, and believing that God is external if you're going to work magic. So do we get the power from the earth or do we empower the earth? I think both. I think that um, we, I, I really believe in this idea of the Gaia hypothesis, or most of it anyway, I believe that, that we are just kind of small cells in her, so Gaia being the entire universe, not just the Earth, all of the cosmos, that we are just tiny cells in this one gigantic organism. And so, you know, she affects us and we affect her, and it's, it's very much a, a two-way relationship. Sounds very synergistic. Yes. Yes, absolutely. When do you think we stepped out of that? I mean, if that was our birthright, what, what, when did we lose it? Hmm. Um, well, you know, I don't know. I, um, I think that industry and, and capitalism and economy have had a lot to do with it. Um, however, I, I do love social media and, and this kind of merging of, of communications. And I think that that's a very feminine thing, actually. I think Facebook is a very feminine, is feminine magic. Um, but, but yeah, when did we lose that? I, I, I'm not sure, but um, it's been a long time. Uh, I, there is this interesting theory that I heard that um, around 1500 BC, all over the world, these more egalitarian, not necessarily matriarchal, but these more egalitarian civilizations all started to kind of crumble. And that that was largely because of various natural disasters. And so the human brain, and I don't know where this theory comes from. I know that I read it in um, this book called Mysteries of the Dark Moon. But the human brain started to shift from being very bicameral, so thinking with the right and left brain, the masculine and feminine in equal parts, more to being just left brain because mm-hmm. people have gonna We're, we're going to have to continue with this. It's time for another break. Danielle and I will be back shortly, so don't leave us now. This is the Science of Magic, your resource to altruistic professionals of science and the esoteric, working to create common ground for the betterment of our world. Join our email family to receive our topic-driven episode collections at thescienceofmagic.net. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. TV shows. 
almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. What's up in your world? Email me at the info at thescienceofmagic.net and suggest a topic or a guest that's on your mind. You're probably not the only one interested. Our guest this hour is Danielle Dulski, author of Woman Most Wild. Her website, danielledulski.com. Danielle, there's this, we talked about uh, how magic uh, and witchcraft work with these seasons. How about the ages? Is that factored in? 
Um, you mean the age of the practitioner? No, I'm sorry. Oh. Like like the ages of the horoscope. You're moving into the age of Aquarius right now, which is moving oh. into a more unity time, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not as familiar with this idea of the ages as they relate to astrology, but, but I do believe that we are like clearly moving into, like I called it before this do or die time, but this time when, um, we are really being called to affirm our spiritual autonomy and whether that means as a witch or, or in any other way that it's very important to really examine your own beliefs and figure out, you know, what your purpose is in the world and then to enact that in as many ways as possible. So not just, you know, sacred work, but also um, your your prayer and your ritual and 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 all of that kind of upper chakra um, spiritual practice is, is just as important as anything that you would do um, in your more day to day life. You speak of three keys to liberating the witch within. What are they? Mm-hmm. So there's three keys. The first key is wild rhythm. So that was a lot of what I talked about with the, the seasons and, and being able to work with these spiritual cycles. So, so being able to trace when you have these peaks where you're really excited about your craft and it's kind of all you want to do to the point of obsession. And then you have these lows where you really you know don't want to do any of it and that that's fine. So, so it isn't something that you need to really throw yourself into 24 7 that there are these peaks and valleys so that along with the way the seasons live in the body and in the chakral system that's wild rhythm and then the second key is wild ritual and wild ritual is magic so you know we talked about those different types of spells but also the the way you mark transitions and the way you make these various transitions in your life important and then finally, Wild Circle, and, and Wild Circle is coming together with like-minded seekers and just being able to maybe only talk about your magic and talk about your craft and not necessarily even work your magic together. But if you do, like I said before, it is that much more powerful depending on what sort of spells you're working. So those are the three keys, Wild Rhythm, Wild Ritual, and Wild Circle. Danielle, what do you see as the major obstacle to reclaiming feminine magic at this time? Oh, well, that's a hard question. The major obstacle, um, I think it's fear. I think that uh, women especially have this deep soul wound that's left over from the witch hunts. And and there is this real fear around um, calling yourself a witch. And, you know, calling yourself a wild woman is kind of the same thing but it feels safer <laughs> it feels it feels safer so so i know that a lot of women that i work with you know they they still fear the word witch but they'll do everything else they'll, they'll do everything that makes them a witch but they won't call themselves a witch and that that's okay it's it's interesting time isn't it yeah just interesting times <laughs> <laughs> and and what do you see is the most important thing about embracing witchcraft at this time in history Mm-hmm. I think it's it's this you know level of activism to witchcraft and and that's where this the the idea of feminine magic comes in like we need to work our magic in order to heal and protect the earth and her creatures and you know all of the oppressed populations in humanity so so we really need to harvest our own power for healing and protection of others so it isn't just this selfish craft how much do you think that the systems at large have to do with manipulating our magic by driving our belief systems? Yeah, you know, th- this is something that I, I have a dear friend that that um, really believes that there are, you know, kind of governmental energies out there that are that are working against us, that there's like these, you know, underlying missions and strategies for for suppressing witches and 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 my I haven't encountered that so so I can't really speak to it but I certainly wouldn't discount the possibility. Yeah, no, I'm 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 talking more about the populace at large because we've established that we all have a certain latent ability to manifest to to work magic. But if if we we do that through our belief systems, but if our belief systems are being controlled, then we aren't working magic for us, we're working it for the system. How prevalent do you think that is? Oh, right. Absolutely. Um, 
I mean, that's really systematized religion. So, so that's why I, like we were talking about spiritual predatory behavior. I think, you know, in any tradition, pagan or otherwise, the most important thing is to continually examine your own personal beliefs and figure out which ones are yours and which ones have been indoctrinated and which ones need to be dismantled because of that. That's huge, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Um, You know, we've mentioned the Earth-based nature of witchcraft. I understand it also works with lunar and solar cycles. Would you speak to this? Yeah, so, um, you know, the lunar cycle is very integral to witchcraft, and and this idea of, of working manifestation magic during the waxing moon and then working your, your kind of purge or your banishing during the waning moon and then no magic during the void is, is kind of one of those things that we were talking about, the collective unconscious memories and what women just sort of need to just sort of seem to know without ever having done it before. And that's one of them. This this notion of the lunar cycle is as really living in us and affecting all of the waters and energies in our body is key. And then the solar cycle, you know, working with the seasons and, and um, you know, seeing how your your psyche fluctuates throughout the year, throughout the wheel of the year as it turns, is is also very important. What are the mechanics behind the practice? What what makes it work? Mm. Um, how do you mean the the magic? Uh, yes, the science behind the magic. Mm-hmm, the science behind the magic. So so we talked about intention. I, I feel like intention is really critical. But then the other piece that's kind of less talked about is this idea of autonomy and will. So you not only have to have this very clear intention, you have to believe that you have the right to do this. You have to believe that, you know, you have the right to direct this energy. And so there is kind of this level of um, self-confidence that's required. And so, you know, the witch also has to have that. What all can witchcraft accomplish? Um, well, so witchcraft can accomplish a lot. I think that it, it, it's all about the, these different levels. So, you know, the witch can heal herself. She can work her magic for herself. But then it goes beyond that. She can also heal and work her magic for her inner circle, family, friends, children, local community. She can also work her magic for the earth. She can also work her magic for the entire cosmos. So, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, self-confidence and this belief that you have this internal divinity and birthright to be able to do this, it's like, you know, that birthright really gives you the right to work your magic on uh, to the cosmic infinite. It's limitless. And yet we're we're taught systematically that we're pretty much powerless. How can you get those two to add up? Yeah, well, that's one of those things that that you have to dismantle, one of those beliefs that that you don't have the right to do this or that it somehow makes you evil or, you know, however you were raised, like the way I was raised, it was like, well, you're going to hell, so (laughs) might as well just give up now. Um, But yeah, you you really have to believe that you have the right to do it and, and that it isn't external, that it can be sourced from you. Is witchcraft a religion? It is not. Um, the witchcraft in itself is just a practice. So it is, it, or a craft, just that, you know, just like the word says, it's just a craft or a practice. So you don't need to subscribe to any religion in order to be a witch. What do you see as the future for witchcraft? Where is it going? Yeah, I think that it will be absolutely instrumental in healing the earth and pushing us in a positive social direction. I think that, you know, the witches are rising right now and it is a beautiful thing and that they are realizing and collectively, so not that they didn't realize it before, but collectively there's this realization that, that there, we are witch activists. We are working our magic for something bigger than ourselves and that we are needed right now. We are necessary. What do you think, um, what would be your advice, <laughs> we're about out of time, but what would be your advice for someone really feeling that they, they align with this and wanting to come out of as, a, as a witch, what would be their first step? What advice mm-hmm. do you have for them? Yes, I, I think that, um, 
you know, look back into your childhood moments where you really felt like you were the most you. And if a lot of those were spent in nature and, um, you know, that have the sense of magic in the world that yes, absolutely come out as a witch when you're ready and, and learn to stand on your own two feet as a witch. And where do you find the material you need to, to see if that lines up with you? I think that there's a lot of resources out there. I think that, um, you know, before you seek out any um, specific spirit, like single spiritual mentor or even a coven, unless you know, you know, you have references for that, that coven or that spiritual mentor, to read as much as you can. There, there's a lot of, of books out there, mine included, that um, are, are really great introductions. You and know, not- time, time flies, Danielle, and we're out of it. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Gwilda. Our guest this hour has been Danielle Dulski, author of Woman Most Wild, her website, daniellodulski.com. This has been The Science of Magic. Join our email family to be the first to receive our thought-provoking, topic-driven episode collections at thescienceofmagic.net. Until next time, dear ones, may you be blessed with knowledge and comforted with love as you embrace the magic within.